Hey everybody, it's Mike. Uh, it is paperback week for the new one, Painfully True Stories from a Reluctant Dad, with poems by J. Hope Stein, my wife, the poet, who is here with me today. Hello, Mike. <laughs> you never tell, call me Mike, which is why it's so funny. Um, you call me Mo. Yeah, I just thought I would be more formal for the podcast. This is a very serious podcast, as you know. Michael, um, when you look back on writing a book with me, what are your regrets? <laughs> My regrets are none. <laughs> I have no regrets. I'm actually really happy about it. It came out in June 2020, and it comes out in paperback this week. And I, my favorite part about the book is the moments where there's a synchronicity between uh, my point of view, uh, comedically, and your point of view, poetically, which, when we were putting the book together, was real happenstance sometimes, where it actually fit together in this really lovely way. I agree. I think we were surprised by that, where you would write something, and then I would be like, wait, I actually wrote something around the same time that sort of fits in there somehow, but we had never had discussed it at the time. And those were fun little surprises. And your parts are always better. And I won't let you chime in or interrupt me. I'm not going to argue with you unless we're like in therapy or something. I'm save that for a professional. Save that for the big kids. Um, pick up a copy of the new one at your local bookstore or get the audio book because you, you get this beautiful thread-counted voice of J-Hope Stein. Hey everybody, we're back with a new episode of Working It Out. Uh, I'm so excited to have with us today one of our most popular guests of all time, uh, the host of You Made It Weird, his own podcast, the star uh, co-creator of Crashing on HBO, one of my favorite stand-ups, one of my close friends. We, we give each other a hard time uh, about a lot of stuff. We have fun. We work out a lot of jokes, so many jokes in this episode. And uh, and and uh, I'm thrilled to have back for uh, his return to working it out, my good friend Pete Holmes. All right, Petey. So when you wrote Comedy Sex God, your book, which is now on paperback, uh, as it's well, it's not on paperback. Oh, it's is not. it not? Yeah, no, I don't know how that works. When a book does well, like really well, it goes to paperback. So yeah. congratulations on your paperback. Which you think it would be the opposite. It's like a book does really well and they're like, let's put a hardcover on this <laughs> gem. But they're like, oh, this book's so good. Let's make it easier to throw away. Let's make it so it doesn't survive a day at the pool. No no water damage for this one. Um, I want it folded up in the back pocket of a of a rebellious kid in the 80s, but he's also pretty smart. <laughs> I have to say, you know I, I enjoy reading a book on a Kindle, but I but I also think, sometimes I do think, you, you might as well just send me the, the Word document. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want it on a Kindle. I don't care how book-like it is. I like the paper. I like to write... Okay, so like when I read like David Sedaris's books or Mary Carr's book, for for example, I write in the margins. Do you write in the mar? I write notes in the margins. Of course, I write in the margins. What am I? You know why I write write in the margins, Mikey? So when I die, people will go through my old books and go, "Wow, he was learned." Yes, he well, was. He was in. Inter- look at he was interacting with the book. <laughs> he what he in- wrote in the margin is better than the book. Yeah, yeah. He was in we dialogue didn't with the book. No. Yeah. We didn't know who was walking amongst us. Yes, that's right. A scholar. That's also why I won't, if I fold over, if I earmark a page, and then I only read one page. Yeah. Because I have a child, and I, I give up, and I have to do something. I'll just go back and re-earmark the page I already earmarked for fear that when I die, people will go and be like, I think he read this one page at a time. Wow. One page per sitting. Yeah. I'm only reading so people find it after I die, is what I'm saying. Do you have, do you have a, when you were writing your book, did you enjoy writing the book? Is it a hot riff if it's met with, <laughs> when you were writing your book, like is a that, hard, was that a hot riff? A full breath, like did, a full breath, did my, full deep breath. Did my riffing on earmarking and notarizing in the sides, did that do so well if the host- No, I thought it was who's, funny. Who's here to like riff with me and, 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 and build bits, just goes, <sighs> When you were writing your book, like, am I am I killing? I had nothing. 
Look, to oh, add. You know what? Yeah, I have nothing to add. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, let me zoom out on the on the show because we're one year into the Working It Out podcast, which you were a huge part of. You you've done. You made it weird for years and years and years. You've done hundreds of episodes. You've had amazing guests. And you sort of taught me a lot about podcasting and sort of how to do it independently and get it off the ground. So I appreciate it. I, th- I thanked you in the last episode. I thank you again. But I want to say something about the show that, I, that pivots into, into a question, which is, what about your show do you feel like is misunderstood? Because I feel like the thing about this show that's misunderstood is sometimes people will go, the bits on the show that they're doing aren't funny. And I go, no, no, the show literally is called Working It Out. They're unfinished. And that's why you're able to be a fly on, you're able to be a fly on the wall to the process. And that's the premise of the podcast. It's literally the premise. And so if you're not on board for that, then you're definitely not on board for the show. And like a fly on a wall, (laughs) most days are disappointing. (laughs) You don't have a lot of great days when you're a fly, just kind of landing on walls, eating your own shit, eating other people's shit. So enjoy. You're welcome. Be a fly. No, that's interesting. I don't know what's misunderstood about my podcast. Maybe that it's a comedy podcast and not every episode is, is funny. The joke I make on our show is... We stopped being funny. We stopped trying to be funny 10 years ago. But I like your podcast, and I'll recommend it to listeners of this one. You made it weird. I think one of the strengths of it is you talk about religion, you talk about God, you talk about, like, beliefs in your, in your, to your core or, or lack of beliefs. And I find that when you cut through all of that veneer, you end up getting some of the most authentic interviews I've ever heard. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's funny, you know, when you do ask people, there are all these really interesting studies, Mikey. There are studies that people behave differently when you remind them of their mortality. Like, that's just a fact. Oh, that's interesting. If you want, I I don't want to bore you, but they did this study where they showed uh, two groups of 15 people each. I made that number up. Two groups of people. And they showed one group uh, a film that had nothing to do with anything. It's like the control. It was just like a fun, pleasant cartoon. And then they had them go into a room. And in the room, there was a picture frame with a wire on the back of it, a nail, and, and a crucifix. And they were like, hang up the picture. And the people that watched the cartoon took the crucifix, as you would, put the nail in the wall, and hammered it in yeah. with the crucifix. It is kind of a hammer. You know, sure. you, you, didn't never, you don't really think of Jesus, sure. King of Kings, Lord of Lords, as being a hammer. But you can hammer with a cross. It's no problem. But the second group, they showed them a film that very subtly reminded you of your mortality. In, in another way, it sort of put you in a more reverent, like kind of maybe scared, like uh, what's going on here mood. Or yeah. I guess the results show reverence. And no one in that group would hang up the picture. Oh, with the really? And the reason I mentioned that, there's a lot of studies, Mikey, that are just the other study. I, I think this is fascinating. This is in my friend Science Mike's book. It's called You're a, You're a Miracle and a Pain in the Ass. It's a great book. His name is he Science set, Mike? His name is Mike McCarg, but, Mike McCarg, but it, I call him Science Mike. Okay. People call him Science Mike. You're going to love this study. Uh, people go into a room and they are given like magnetic poetry and they're uh, told to make poems out of the magnetic poetry and then they leave. So everybody doing the study probably thinks like, oh, you're studying like, what am I going to, what kind of poems do I make? based on the color of the wall or something. And it's not that at all. They measure the speed that you walk out of the room with based on the words they give you. So some groups are given the words like lethargic, dull, Mm. uh, you know, meandering. So it ends up priming you. And it, that's exactly what it is. And it primes you. And those people would walk out of the room 30% slower than the group that was given words yeah. like swift, fast. So my point is, if there's anything I've learned from those two studies is, we do cast spells on one another. And if you remind people of the immediacy of the moment, if you remind them of the preciousness of the moment, that's kind of a positive way of saying the temporary nature of life. Sure. You end up going like, look, one day, Mikey, will be gone. And people may or may not listen to this, but this will exist. And this is all that exists is you and I doing this podcast yeah. right now. And that casts a little spell. Like it's like real magic. And it makes me a little bit more engaged with this podcast. It makes you a little bit more potentially engaged with this podcast. It makes the people listening a little bit more engaged because this is your life. How you feel right now is how you feel about your life. Yeah. So it helps you 
lock into what you're doing. And that's where you get better interviews. And sometimes that comes from like, what do you think happens when you die? Or what do you, what narrative, what, why do you think the world was created or what, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Those types of questions lend to intimacy and, and more um, revealing conversations. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's one of the funny things that I've learned about the podcast from doing the podcast and having so many different types of people is like two sides of the coin in terms of interaction are like Bill Hader was on the podcast laughing his ass off, has a ball with jokes. Neil Brennan, also a very funny comic, doesn't laugh at all the whole time. And yeah. when I'm in the edit of the podcast and I'm chopping it down so it's palatable for people to listen to, <laughs> I'm always I'm always sort of uh, veering towards the laughter. But actually, it's kind of akin to a, a laugh track on a sitcom where you actually don't need people to laugh to for the people who enjoy the laugh lines. Well, you never know what people are laughing at on a podcast. That's one of the things I really like about it. Yeah. I've actually thought about doing stand-up with air traffic control <laughs> headphones on so I can't hear them. Okay. And that way they're a little bit more free to just laugh at whatever they want without sure. Like, influencing me. Sure. <laughs> like a blind taste test. Exactly. Yeah. I've never done it, but if, if I was going to do like a wacky performance piece. But, of course, the reason I wouldn't do that is stand-up is the interplay between the laughing and, and the line. But let's break this apart because there is a there's a boon in podcasting. And of course you've been in it for you know 10 plus years and and I've been in it for just over a year. But I think part of the reason there is a boon is precisely the thing you're saying, which is people don't want to be seen laughing at what they are laughing at. That's true. Because laughing is, it's partly visceral, it's, it's partly physical, and it's partly a choice, right? It's both, it's both of those things simultaneously. Yeah, Something just makes right. you laugh in your gut. Sometimes you choose to laugh, and we've all seen what that looks like. That's right. I mean, I, I'm guilty of it. I, you know, if, I see, if I'm watching you, for example, I have to pretend to laugh. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I mean, this is another interesting study that came up on my podcast. Uh, if you slow down a real laugh, it sounds like a baboon in heat. Hmm. It's the most primal. I mean, get Malcolm Gladwell on the horn. You know what? You know <laughs> we gotta I get love, him back. We gotta get him back. It, this is so in his alley. We're getting mugged. That's how up his alley we are. Uh, when you slow it down, it sounds like a noise you would be so embarrassed to make. It sounds like almost like throwing yeah. up or protecting your turf or something that you'd hear at the zoo. It's so yeah. primal. Slow down a fake laugh, and it sounds like this. No shit. It sounds like this. Ho, 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 ho. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Same thing, Mikey, with an orgasm. Slow down the sound of either gender, but most likely a female, orgasming. And it sounds like, again, like a primate. Like something, a yeah. noise you would be embarrassed to make. Right. And a fake orgasm sounds like, ooh, mm. la, la, you got me. Like it's so fake. And you know, you can perceive. Yeah. But what you're saying is actually more interesting. And I have a bit about this too, or I used to do it, which is like at the beginning of the show, the audience is warming up. The comedian is warming up. Yeah. Some of the laughs, they're not fake. They're encouraged. Yeah. And you know what? That's what I do when I'm in an audience too. Hang out with my three-year-old. She will only give you real laughs. Guess what? <laughs> yes, exactly. You're, on, you're only getting one every hour. And, it, you know, tickling, throwing, big shit, yeah. big yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 clowny stuff. Grown-ups learn that life is hard. Life is lonely. Laughter feels good. <laughs> it's this beautiful yes. corporate. They lean uh, into it. They lean into it. They lean into it. And yeah. that's, that's one of the things that separates us from the animals. Literally, in my example, it makes us not primates. It's a we are primates, but you know what I mean? It's a beautiful, like, I'm going to laugh in hopes of future laughs that are more a higher cut of genuine. I'm not sure I trust you anymore because you just said we're not primates. And then you said in the same breath, we are primates. We are primates. Yeah, I was correcting myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was correct. Wouldn't you not trust me if I said we're, we're not primates? What else, what, else, what else are we and aren't we, Pete? No, I was correcting myself if I said <laughs> we're not human beings. And I was like, oh, we are human beings. It was a real-time correction. It was a, it was a control Z in real time. This is the thing we do called the slow round. Uh, do you have a memory on a loop that you always think of 
It's not even a story. You couldn't even tell it as a story because there's not enough there. Constantly. Yeah. In fact, my day is anchored with memories, flashes of memories, at the same time in the day. Uh, you, You know what I'm saying? Like, in the evening, there's the certain memories that show up. This is one of the, I, this is, I'm going to get to the, my answer, but this is one of the most beautiful things comedy can do for people is when Rory Scovel has a joke about how Democrats are the people that, uh, that uh, when a lane is ending, he's like, they all get to the right first. <laughs> and he's like, and Republicans are the ones that wait until the very end. You know what I'm saying? Like the left lane is ending and Democrats get over right away. Uh. And and Republicans use it as a passing lane until the last second. And then he goes, and the people at the front that let the Republicans in, those are the liberals. Like those are the, yeah. the bleeding heart liberals that are like, okay, go ahead, go, go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm saying is when you have a bit that addresses a situation that every time that situation happens, you now have this touchstone, which is a joke. Uh, That's one of the things that makes life feel less lonely. Like, sorry to reference myself, but I was doing a show with somebody and they were like, you know, I always think of you because I say edited it. And I have a joke about edited it. About how it's like a flaw in our language. It's too many did it. I edited it. (laughs) And then I I say like, and people have had to say edited it in serious situations. Like, I'm leaving you, Diane. You didn't edit our wedding video. And she's like, I did. I edited it. I edited it. I edited it. I think I say it's like a handful of marbles cascading down a wooden staircase. Did it, did it. Um, And somebody was like, every time I say edited it, I think of that. That's one of the reasons, that's what good art should do is it's these breadcrumbs because we're all just like in the dryer. You know what I mean? We're just tumbling around the dryer and then something happens to you and you go, that reminds me of what I should have said was nothing. And you go, oh, I'm not alone. That's That's a beautiful thing. But to answer your question. I love that. I love your metaphor. We're all bounce around in the dryer. We are in the dry. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what it means, but I like the imagery of it. It means we're tumbling around in the dark, Mikey, and if you find a sock, cling on to it. Like, it's not, it's not, what I'm saying is, we all forget how strange this is. I'm not getting all metaphysical. No, no. I'm just saying. You don't have to disclaim we all forget how strange this is. That is 100%. There you go. That's 100% accepted. If you go through your day just acting like it's normal to buy pants and look up <laughs> at the sun, just like a star that's close enough to us to heat us and grow our food. And you just like want to read a tweet about Scarlett Johansson suing Disney. Like <laughs> you've just done a really good job forgetting how yes. fucking crazy yeah, this is. They were on and a the star. reason that's yeah. bad is, on the other side of how fucking crazy this is and how kind of scary this is, on the other side of that coin is how amazing this is and how much wonder you should be feeling. It's Albert Einstein. You either act like nothing is a miracle or everything is a miracle. Yeah. And I'm I'm in that camp. I'm in the everything is a miracle. All, all markers are magic. <laughs> yeah, I buy that. But it's also a miracle that, you know, salmon are swimming upstream and then they're, but then they're dead 40 minutes later. Well, this is, tell me if this is a bit. I believe life will be okay. When I say everything will be okay, yeah. I mean- Some version of life for someone will be okay. That's what I'm saying. And <laughs> yes. that is the mystical perspective. Yeah. When I say don't worry, there's a plan. Yeah. That plan doesn't necessarily involve- you. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> it might not involve the United States of America in 2021. It might not. I've got some good news and some bad news. God has a plan. The bad news is you might not be in the plan. Yeah, I think that that's a funny bit. Can I run another one by you? Yeah, please. I think it's funny. I have some... Uh, this is, grew up with some I think, by the way, I think this is called... We're going to call this Working It Out Expert Edition today because you're a repeat... Expert. You're a repeat visitor. You're one of our first repeat visitors uh, in addition to Judd Apatow, who was your producer on Crashing. Um, I'm just so happy to be back. It's really good to be here. Let me, I, I, have, I have nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> I haven't done stand-up in like so long. We're going to call. 
<laughs> we're going to call this expert edition, which is we're going to go back and forth between slow round and new material. We're, it's not usually, okay. it's cut up, but now we're just mixing it all together. I'll give you a memory. Coming home from the beach in that way that salt water makes your skin sort of extra sensitive. Yeah, sort of raw. Raw. Yeah. You're raw from the salt water of Cape of the Cape and getting into a clawfoot bathtub. I think about that all the time. Cape Cod. I, Cape Cod Cape where Co- you and I grew up going there in the summers. Going there, going to Falmouth, you go to Wingashik Beach. One of the funniest things about you is that you you and I both grew up in Mass, but your dad legitimately has the full-on Boston accent. I've been trying to make this work lately is that my dad says okay after things that don't need the word okay. <laughs> he'll he'll be like I got myself a bottle of water, okay? It's like who that's a bit that's who, a bit. Who didn't believe you? Who Yeah, yeah. Who was like you didn't get a bottle of water? Like no yeah, way. Yeah. I'm I'm going I'm going down to the Shropshire shop, okay? Okay. So I'm what? So I'm so I'm I'm jogging down I ninety five, okay? And you're like, no, 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 we we're with you, we're with you already. So I'm driving yep. my so I'm driving my pickup truck in a in a parade, okay? And you're like, no, no, I know, I, I it's a story. We don't need an affirmation to continue. But my dad does it like a threat, like don't you dare challenge me. Okay. So I go in, I go in to get a haircut, okay? It's like, I didn't say bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But he's preempting your calling bullshit. Yeah. I asked for a haircut, okay? It's a really very aggressive move. I think I, maybe this is a tag for it, maybe not. But every now and then I'm tempted to go in the middle of his story, wait a minute. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> and then just see what happens. That's really funny. My dad also is at the age where he only asks questions to tell you what he would have said to the question. Yeah. If you run into this. He, speaking of Judd, he'll be like, what do, you, what do you think is the most important characteristic yeah. of a director? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll, like a fool, I go, okay. Um, well, you know, Judd's a writer, and I think that's helpful. He, you know, helps write the material, and he's yeah. good with rehearsal, and I'll talk for five minutes. And then he's just sitting there going, and then when I stop, he goes, I think it's decisiveness. Oh, my God, that's so funny. <laughs> you, Pete, we might as well, we might as well have the same dad. And I think it's decisiveness. No, we've, yeah. we might as well have the same dad because my, my dad, it, the, whatever question he's asking is fundamentally uh, just a setup for his perfect answer to the question He's theoretically asking you. Right. He's really orating. He goes like, what is the most important characteristic of a director? I say decisiveness. But unfortunately, oh. you're there. So you have to be like, "You are you talking to me? It, the other day it was, I was visiting my parents. And dad goes, what do you think was the most seminal event of the 20th century? I go, uh, maybe World War II. World War Two, <laughs> and it was really... the whole thing was set up for him to do a rant on World War Two, and then he went into it. He didn't even hear you getting it right. Is maybe <laughs> yes. the most Boston dad thing yes. I've ever heard in my, oh my life. Gosh. Oh, can I tell you this? I performed at the Cape Cod Melody Tent a few weeks ago, and. It was Did lovely. they pay you in steamers, kid? Oh my god! <laughs> we got you your paycheck, we here, got, Mikey. We're paying you Fuck in lobsters, steamers. lobsters, and steamers, and a. <laughs> and it ain't no lazy lobster, kid. You crack it yourself. Oh my god! All right, all right. Gosh, no, I went. No, I got paid in lobsters and steamers and uh, little necks. Of course. No, but I, course. I I performed in. Cape Cod, and uh, and I'm performing in Boston uh, at the Wilba in October. The I somehow convinced my parents not to go to the Cape Cod show, uh, which has an extraordinary amount of material about them. I yep. somehow made it their idea. I don't know how I did that. That's amazing. 
Yeah, that is amazing. I'm going to do it. I'm familiar I'm, with this type of dark magic. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to do it again in October when I'm in Boston. It's going to be their idea. They, they don't know how to turn on podcasts, so they're not going to hear this. Yeah, um, that's right. And then if the show, God willing, goes to Broadway or off Broadway next fall, um, I'm going to also convince them not to come to that. You know what, Mikey? And, I, and by uh, the way, I love my parents, but I just I'm uncomfortable with them seeing the comedy material. I found a lot of mileage in the line, it's not for moms, and it's, it's not, not for, for dads. dads. <laughs> it's not it's for moms, not for moms. it's not for moms, it's like, not for dads. And then you know what I do, Mikey? I go, why would it be? <laughs> what kind of lunatic <laughs> would I be if I did a show that was like, everyone in America will like this. No, you're right. Including my own mother will like yeah. this. I don't, it's not, it's, that would be insanity. I have this joke about how I like soft bodies. I, I really do. I like being soft, and I and Val is soft, and I like soft bodies. And I'm like, why do we want to be hard? Everybody wants to be a Corvette. I want a, a Winnebago with one flat tire because I'm I'm a Tempur-Pedic mattress. Val's a Tempur-Pedic mattress. It's soft. And then I go, I go. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Gwyneth Paltrow. You can pick anybody. I go. I understand they look good. But you turn off the lights, you're like, what am I having sex with Michael Phelps right now? That's funny. I have a tag, which is you say, uh, I'm a Tempur-Pedic mattress. You go, what are you trying to be, a box spring? That's a great one. What's fun about a box spring? That's great. I've been working out. I'm like a box spring. Well, Mikey, that fits in perfectly. Um... I love the sound of I typing get, keys on the show, by the way. And I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah no, I believe Imagine it. if I did Foley I, work for that. We added it in in post. <laughs> I go, when you hug me, when you hug me, it's like, it's like being in the womb. It's soft and it's safe. Yeah. You ever hug a muscly person? <laughs> You're like, what are you, mad at me? Yeah. Like, it's true. Like, I've never handed Kumail my baby, but <laughs> if I did, I have to think Leela would be like, what is this? Yeah. The, is this, am I inside of Congress right now? That's like, hilarious. Pi- How about this? Pillars and hardwood floors? How about this? The, uh, oh, this is another misunderstanding of people on the podcast. Someone wrote, someone wrote in the comments on Apple Podcasts that he's, that Mike's trying to one up his guests. They were upset about it. I'm like, one up? The, literally, so the funny. show is yes and, yes and. Here's your premise. I'll yes and that. Can you, I, I'll say my premise. Can, you yes and that. I don't want to be the two idiot stand-ups that are like, nobody understands yeah. our lifestyle. <laughs> but I've gotten that same comment before where people are like, Pete, if your guest is funny, just let them have the win yeah. and move on. You uh. don't have to like add to it. Uh. And I was like, my whole life has been learning how to add to it. It's called show business. It's also the thing that we enjoy most about being comics is is yes. sharing. So that so I have another tag. Speaking of which, yeah. which is like you know you're all you're all about soft versus hard. It's like you tell me which which candy you would rather be handed, a peep or a candy cane. That's great. I love the soft versus hard premise because I because I've been getting in shape and me a lot of my show is about like about how I, I had type 2 diabetes and, and I've lost weight for health reasons, but I've still not gone the other way, which is like, I got to make this body hard. There's something about right. that that I'm just like, I find disconcerting. Well, you you would love this bit. You would love this bit. I, think it's I mean, I go into like, I don't want to have sex with a pepper grinder. <laughs> I, I don't want to have sex with a with a banister. And and you know what's weird? See what I what, find but, about it. But what's the what's the opposite of the banister? Like in the pepper grinder? Don't you think, don't you think you have to have opposites to make the bit work? No, like that's no, why I was saying the set up that I'm a Tempur-Pedic mattress, and then I say, uh, you know, Jennifer Aniston turned the lights off. It's like a drafting table, and I go, what am I, a cartoonist? I don't need a drafting table, which I find very funny. Well, what about this? It's like, what would you rather wrap your arms around? The banister or the carpet on the stairs? 
Yeah, that's good. I mean, like, if you want to do that, I don't find it necessary. All right. In fact, I, I rewrote, uh, uh, <laughs> it sounds like I'm mad at you. <laughs> I don't want to be a candy cane. I want to be a peep. I find that to be okay. the way I would say that. And then I go, that is very you're going gonna to like this part. I really think you're going to like this part. I go, um, soft, soft. I'm just yelling soft over and over. <laughs> and then I go, uh, and by the way, history is with me. Go to any museum. Who are they carving? Thick women. Michelangelo mm. just looking at the person like, bring me a big block. I got a job ahead of me. That's very funny. Rubenesque. Ru- I don't even know what Rubenesque means. I think it means they ate a lot of Rubens. <laughs> oh but it's just about, it's just about, that's that's my favorite thing to do is to be in the middle of a piece and to sne- sneak in a joke that wouldn't work on its own, but works because of its placement. Yeah. And that's Rubenesque. It, you sneak it in. By the way, this isn't something we've never talked about on the show, but we should for because a lot of creatives listen to the show, is you you had a show on HBO called Crashing, which is a great show, and you had a writer's room. So you had probably, I know Beth Stelling was on the staff and a bunch of people on the staff who were really good comedians and writers. But there's, there's probably, what, six or seven writers in the writer's room? It fluctuated, but yeah, around that. Yeah, and then ultimately, someone's name is on the episode as written by... <laughs> But actually, yeah. it's not really written by that person because it was the whole no, group of writers who like group minded together of like, what about this? 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 What about, which is literally what we're doing with hard bodies, soft bodies. And then we came to a conclusion. Then ultimately, the vessel who delivers the monologue and, and the way of wording it is you. So you just re-sculpted my peeps line into a Pete Holmes version of the Peeps observation of your premise in the first place, which I think is the best example I can think of on this show of like a writer's room moment. Because once the all the brainstorming is pushed through the filter of the voice of the main thing, in this case, my voice, it 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 we decide, we collectively agree that it will now no longer be known as a Mike Birbiglia <laughs> yes. line. We go, that is gone. We have a ceremony. <laughs> You de-Mike Birbiglia at it. May Pete live forever. May the bit rain for all of time. <laughs> a lot of my stuff that I'm talking about in, the sh- in my show right now has to do with going to the YMCA pool when I was like five and being in the locker room and feeling uncomfortable with nudity and all that kind of stuff. But I actually was going to run some material by you, which is when I was five, my mom took me to the YMCA pool in Worcester, and I hated everything about it because I, I remember it feeling sweaty and wet and dirty and clean, and I'm drying <laughs> myself off with a towel that's only slightly less wet than me, and there's mm-hmm. soupy water and echoes of kids shouting, and it's so humid it feels like it might rain indoors. It's beautiful. I love that. I mean, as I'm, a, I'm a sensitive person as well. So, like being in a locker room and hearing the echo and oh, screams, yes, it's just like I'm never. I'm not used to that. Like I'm still not used to that. And the humidity. This is what comedians are, by the way. This is why I don't want to close the gate to the word comedian. It's almost. I mean, this is going to sound absurd. But like the people listening who relate to what we're saying, you're practically comedians because you're sensitive. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like if you understand what Mikey just said, you're like 70% a comedian. And that just means you're very sensitive. Some people are going through life, again, buying pants, eating hamburgers. And some people are going like that echoey scream yeah. did something to me on a deep level. But and I those think are funny people. It's interesting because in light of the book coming out on paperback, Jen and I co-wrote this co-authored this book, The New One, Painfully True Stories from a Reluctant Dad with Poems by J-Hope Stein. And one of the things that we always have to address, and we forget as a couple, as a married couple, we've been married for over a decade, and we have to address sometimes, wait a minute, we are two sensitive people who professionally are sensitive. Like being a comedian, being a poet, you're literally, your job is to have your antenna being sort of out at all times to to take in stimuli. And in a lot of cases, you over-accept stimuli. 
And so Jen and I often end up in these situations where it's like, oh, my God, like we're both so sensitive about the identical thing. And then we have to unpeel the layers of it and be like, okay, we have to remind ourselves that I'm a comedian and you're a poet and we're both very sensitive. (laughs) And that's okay. Yeah, that's right. There was even a, I, I forget who wrote it, and that's a shame, but there was a poem about asking a poet for another poem is to ask the universe to break their heart again. Oh my God, just like, I like that. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And it's similar. It's like, hey, Mikey, where's, when's your next movie coming? I love your movies very much. I think they're masterpieces. Aww. And when I'm like, when's your next movie coming out? I'm really saying like, hey, Mikey, when will you be so haunted by an idea that you have to dedicate a year of your life to it? Oh, my gosh. Hey, Mikey, is anything disturbing your sleep? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. In kind of a good way, but kind of an unpleasant way? (laughs) Yeah. Little of both. Can't wait for that so I can be happy for two hours. Yeah. And you have to bleed for a year. Can can I tell you a couple of other YMCA references? Sure. A couple other YMCA. Can I tell you a couple other YMCA jokes? Um. The smell of chlorine is just wafting through every every crevice of that building. Who told them to put that much chlorine in the water? Some guys like it's one pot water, one pot chlorine. <laughs> I I I just want to that's great. I don't have it, but it's like um chlorine you know that weird guy at the deli? I don't know how to explain a, a person without shaming some group, but you describe like a weird guy. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I think there's a way to do this. Uh, I don't have it. And then at the end of it, you go, his cologne would be chlorine. <laughs> That's right. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, like I just like, in, I want it to be like he's pale and he and he always slices right. too thin. Right. And you're always worried that his hand touched your sandwich. Like there's a way to, but like I don't know how to do it without what did, insulting you, the you, very pale. I guess I would say, do you have memories of the YMCA? Because you grew up in Massachusetts. Did you go to the YMCA as a kid? I went to the public pool. We had a public pool. And one of my biggest laughs, the second time I ever did stand-up in my life, I was in my college coffee shop, which we called Gilly's Lounge. And I was on stage and it was the second time I had done stand-up. Both times I did stand-up, the number one and number two, I did 45 minutes because I just didn't know how absurd that was. It wasn't good, but I was just like, well, if I'm going to do it, I might as well (laughs) do it for a long time. And one of the only big laughs I got was I went to the public pool and I'm a little embarrassed to say it was predicated on a lie. It's that they told us that if we peed in the pool, <laughs> it would turn it would turn red. Oh and of gosh. course, that wasn't that wasn't oh true. <laughs> That's a great little story. But it was what you know when you're in your first year, first two years of stand up. You kind of still think, or at least I did, that that's what comedy is. It's like, imagine some funny stuff. No, certainly. When really, when really, now that I'm saying it, it's funny that it was like, they told us that the pee turned red, but it didn't. <laughs> yeah. And we know because we all did our own independent study. That's, that's a funny. funny line. That's good. And it's true. That's good. That's one of my, one of my jokes right now is that there's signs everywhere that say no peeing in pool which might as well say, what better place to pee than the pool? Uh, I mean... Or, or only or only peeing in pool. And then I point out, and I think this is true, <laughs> like, <laughs> the main culprits of being in the pool are not old enough to read that sign. Can I throw a couple quick jokes by you? Of course. One day I noticed a credit card was missing from my wallet, and then I realized anything could be missing from my wallet. I have no idea what's in my wallet. I was under the impression the wallet was in charge of making sure everything stays in the wallet. (laughs) I I just jotted that down the other day. I don't know if there's anything there. I would change it. I, 
I would say, what was missing? What was missing? My credit card. I had the thing okay. where I see the credit. Okay, let me rephrase it. Let me try to rephrase it. One day I noticed that my credit card was just lying on the couch next to my wallet. And then I go, what else isn't in the wallet? I'm not keeping track of what's in the wallet. I thought the wallet was keeping track of what's in the wallet. Here's how I would say it. I, I recently noticed my credit card wasn't in my wallet, which is a miracle because I have no idea what's in my wallet. <laughs> it's like a junk I like that. drawer I, I keep in my pocket. Oh, that's you good. You know how you, that's great. you have a loose idea of where the tape is in your house? That's very That's funny. my wallet. No, that's fantastic. That's much better than what I just pitched. And then I wrote, um, I find it unnerving. I find it unnerving when uh, you use your credit card and they ask you for your zip code as though someone who has successfully committed the felony of stealing my credit card will be tripped up by ask by being asked the most obtainable piece of information about my life. It's funny. <laughs> I like that. Can I add to that? I've been trying to do a bit about this. I miss the swipe. I miss the swipe. <laughs> I like the swipe. I liked the swipe. And now what we have is you put it in. The screen is saying, please insert your chip. Please insert your chip. And then you put it in. And then it goes, please don't remove your card. Don't remove. And it beeps. It goes, don't remove your card. Don't remove your card. And then after an arbitrary amount of time, it goes, it beeps more and goes, remove your card, remove your card, remove your card. I'm like, you've been yelling at me for 15 minutes. What happened to the swipe? I got to feel like Zorro. Now it's barking orders at me. Give me the card. Don't take it back. Don't take it back. It's like, what are you, my mom? I don't yeah. like it. All right, then I got, this is my last one. You have more? I, I think I missed the swipe deserves a it's try. hilarious. The swipe is hilarious. Wait, are you going to take the swipe or are you going to give me the swipe? Oh, you want me to give you the swipe? Oh, I thought you were giving me the swipe joke. I, I thought that's I what was going on. I thought, I thought it was like, we're talking about our credit card bits. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I already used it on stage. Hilarious. I just, Mikey, used, almost, I just popped out. I just did a set. I came back. <laughs> I, 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 would believe, I would believe you if you were Taylor Tomlinson, so the hardest sorry. working person in show business. I'm so if sorry. you were Taylor, I would be like, you just did a set. I'm so sorry. I'm impressed. I already did it, Petey. Um, all right, here, I got another one. Um, I got a, uh, the problem with my eating is that I'll have a good eating streak health, like health wise. And then I'll go to one of my daughter's, uh, kid birthday, you know, the friend's birthday parties and they hand you cake and then ice cream and then pizza. Wow. And you're just going, I'm doing it for the kids. That's It's funny. not for me. I'm getting diabetes for my child. If I don't eat this cake and pizza, who are these kids going to look up to? That's very funny. That's very funny. And then you leave the party. And this is true. I don't have a real joke about this. Then you leave the party and it's just sort of in your veins. And then you start thinking, well, I guess it's already in my veins. And then you just, it becomes your whole life. That's really funny. It makes me think of how there are so many things I don't eat that my daughter will eat. Like, like pizza. Cake and pizza and cake. ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a weird, that's an interesting double standard. Um, is it, this is just a premise. I've noticed that if you see a really old guy, like somebody in his 70s, that's not really, uh, let's just say an old guy in, in their 70s, and he's wearing an Apple watch, 100% his wife is also wearing an Apple watch. <laughs> like when you're old. I don't old, know why I find that so funny. But I'll it's very tell good. you why. When you're old, a married couple, you sort of become like siblings. <laughs> it's like if you if you get an Apple Watch, I'm getting an Apple Watch. Like we're both going to wear an Apple Watch. Does that make sense? I like that bit. Yeah. But I just had a tag for the thing, which is which is Go um, ahead. you got nice old couple, couple Apple Watches, couple sandals resort baseball caps. <laughs> Like, I think you paint the picture of, like, the whole ensemble being sort of the same. That's right. Yeah, they merge. And you know what it's based on is I, I wear this. Uh, it's called an Apollo, and Val wears one, too. We just go around both wearing the same yeah, yeah. thing. And it's just like, yeah, we're just becoming siblings. 
Oh wait, can I t- can I throw one other tag into that? Yes, yeah, sure. I'm sorry. They've got the same prescription sunglasses. <laughs> like, I think there's something funny about prescription sunglasses because it's the epitome of representing as cool and uncool at the same time. Oh, that's that's my go-to riff is they have transition lenses that are always in between the two settings. <laughs> They're never fully sunglasses. They're never fully transparent. I, I just find that because it, it, it to me is so sad. The, 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 I'm thinking of my ex-mother-in-law that had transition lenses, but they were never fully sunglasses. They just looked like 70s eyeglasses. I had this one where I went into the doctor the other day and I, he put me on the scale, but the doctor still has like the old-fashioned abacus scale yeah. where it's like, you're not a thousand pounds, you're not zero pounds. You're not 900 pounds. You're not 30 pounds. You're not 720 pounds. You're not 80 pounds. You're 200 pounds. That's really funny. You're like, two, uh, why did we spend two and a half hours on this? Well, then let me give this to you. Let me give this to you because I'd rather work on this because that feels too preachy. This is a true story. When I was in Iowa, I was doing a college. This is 20 years ago. And I drove to the Field of Dreams. Okay. Nike, like the actual Field of Dreams from the movie. The actual Field of Dreams. Yeah. I had enough time. Maybe I had a day off. Wow. And I went to the Field of Dreams. I'm telling you, whether or not this is stand-up, this is one of the things that whenever I talk about it <laughs> I already or like think it. about it, it kills me. It's like, it just touches my, what, my sense of humor perfectly. So there it is. It's the Field of Dreams. They were smart. They kept it up. They make, made it into a tourist attraction. It's a field of corn, <laughs> and it's the Field of Dreams, and you can go to it. Okay. When you get there, it's clearly just the people that own the farm doing it. Yeah. Like, it's not slick. And they have a big sign when you arrive, and it has some facts about it. And on the sign, it says, and I took a picture of it, Mikey, remember in the movie, it's if you build it, they will they come. They will come, yeah, yeah. This sign in big letters <laughs> says, Mikey, it says in big, permanent, printed out on a banner at Kinko's letters. It says, it was built it. <laughs> and now you've come. <laughs> It was built it. <laughs> and now you've come. It was built it. It was built it. And now you've come. It, it was built it. It was built it. If you built it, it was built it. Okay, we're just going to play this on a loop for two hours, and we're just going to repeat this on a loop for two hours, and that's going to be the end of the episode. If you kept laughing, I would have never stopped saying it was built it. It was built it, you will come. No, it was built it, and now you've come. (laughs) It was built it. Someone went to the print store and said... It should say it was built in. So, so you were saying earlier another one of your bits is your closer. That's your closer. It was built in. That's it. your closer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But to, what do I add to it? Nothing? I don't have to add to it? No, I think you increasingly scream at the audience. It was built it. <laughs> and, then, and, then eventually, and eventually you leave the stage. And then they can hear you backstage go, it's still built it. And you came. It was You're just off it. mic. You're just off mic shouting. Oh Mikey, my God, that's doing crazy. It, that's crazy. That's doing good. it to you. You're the first person other than Val that I've oh, said that great. to. And she wouldn't stop laughing oh, as long so as funny. I kept saying it. It's so funny. And you wouldn't stop laughing <laughs> oh, okay, as long as uh, I kept saying it. How about this is a tag? I wanted to walk in there and go, you don't deserve this. I own this land. I now. own this land now. This is my land. <laughs> you can't own the baseball field from Field of Dreams and put up a sign that says it was built it. Pete, uh, one last thing. We do working out for a it cause. It was built it. <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. Okay. It was built. 
Walter. This is the ch- this is the charity part of the show, and you're shouting your punchline over and over again when I'm I trying can't. to give to a nonprofit of your choice. Mikey, of your choice. This is this is the most beautiful thing. It's not my punchline. It's a piece of reality. No, I know. I love it. I love it. Oh, I, I'm all about okay. it. Okay. Okay. I know you give to a ton of nonprofits. Let's choose one today that I will give to and I will link to in the show notes and con- and, and encourage others to contribute. Well, I will do uh, the Center for Action and Contemplation. They do a lot of good work. And it's CAC.org. Awesome. Donate to them. Awesome. Well, I will contribute to them. Pete, you are always such a joy to talk to. I feel like we worked out a lot of good jokes. I think you gave me a bunch of tags, and I feel like I gave you a bunch of tags, and we actually worked things out. I'm sorry I didn't give you swipe. I just can't give you a bet that I think of every single day. I already did it on stage, and it's killing. <laughs> and I'm no special thanks in the my, my special. I'll give you a special thanks in my special. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you next time, everybody. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no. So that's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. You can follow Pete Holmes at, at Pete Holmes on Twitter, at Pete Holmes on Instagram. You can listen to You Made It Weird. He is uh, he's one of a kind. I think you'll love his podcast if you like this podcast. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Sound recording by Cynthia Daniels. Associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. We wrote a book, and it's on paperback. It's at your local bookstore. This week! This week! And if you already have a copy of it, write a user review on Amazon or Goodreads or wherever you write your user reviews or post about it on social media to spread the good word about this book that we uh, we really uh, love and care about. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created a radio fort full of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We're working it out. See you next time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>